Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. We recently asked on social media what topics you'd like us to cover. Nia Edmonds was interested in advice on selling her art. So this week, we've got a guest, Corey Huff from TheAbundantArtist.com. Corey has a unique blend of expertise in the creative industry, along with the experience of working in online marketing. He now helps artists to market and sell their work, offering advice through his blog, podcasts, courses, book and coaching. We hope you enjoy the interview. Okay, so Corey, first of all, um, can you tell us a little bit about you and your background? Sure, absolutely. So I'm the, uh, my name is Corey Huff and I am the founder of The Abundant Artist. Uh, we have been around since 2009 and we help artists learn how to sell their art. Um, we've worked with literally thousands of artists over 10 years, uh, and it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've got a book out with Harper Collins called how to sell your art online. And, uh, we run the abundant artist association, which is a professional trade association for artists who are intending to make a living from their work. So I know you help visual artists with their marketing rather than actors. And I know you're not actually a visual artist yourself, are you? So why did you decide to do that? Yeah, I have a weird uh, professional history. I, I tend to follow the things that interest me. And I went to theater school, uh, graduated in 2007 with a BFA in acting. And, but while I was in school, uh, all my, of course, all my friends are performers and artists and things like that. And there's a lot of crossover between actors and performers and, and visual artists. Uh, and then I started getting into marketing. So when I graduated from college, I got a, a job in marketing. Uh, and I was, uh, even in college, I was using the little marketing skills I had to get people to come out to the shows that we were doing. Um, and as I got deeper into the marketing world, I started uh, using my skills to help my friends and to help get people out to the shows we were producing, as well as uh, helping my friends to sell their work. And I started a blog, which was originally just like a side project and a way for me to sort of explore uh, how creative people make a living from their work. And it, it wasn't what the abundant artist is now at all. Uh, but as I started that blog, I started writing about uh, how creative people could use some of the marketing skills that I was learning. And people started asking me to teach classes, uh, marketing directors from different theater departments and galleries and stuff asked me to come and talk about uh, using the internet for uh, marketing art. And it just gradually over time, uh, it became the people who were interested in what I was doing was were visual artists. And as I got pulled more and more into that world, uh, that's the direction that the abundant artist eventually ended up going. Um, it's been 10 years, so uh, we've had a lot of time to evolve and grow. Wow, you really have. Um, so the people that you're helping, you know, how do these artists know they're ready to sell their art? You know, is there a point do you think that you come to when you think, yep, I can sell now? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't think for most artists, there's not really a, okay, I'm ready to sell moment. Uh, quite often, artists will be showing their work to people and somebody will say, can I buy that? 
And the artist goes, oh, I don't even know if I'm ready to sell it. Uh, and that's usually the moment when an artist is ready to start selling their work. It's usually before they know they're ready. Uh, your audience will tell you. And, you know, just like Austin Kleon says, you got to show your work to people. Uh, so keep making work, keep showing it to people. And eventually people will be interested in it. They'll, or they might even ask you, hey, are you selling your work? Um, and if you're not ready, you're not ready. That's fine. But uh, every artist has to figure out for themselves when they're ready to start selling. Um, sort of at a, like if I were giving advice level, uh, I would tell artists have a series of work when you start selling. Um, a lot of artists early in their career, they're exploring and they're just sort of working in their studio doing whatever they feel like doing each day, but there's no through line to their work. There's no reason that they're making the work they're making. They're just doing whatever they feel like making. And that can work if you're an intuitive painter and your, your style is really set and you just do what you do every time. Uh, but for a lot of artists, you know, they're maybe technically capable of working in lots of different media in different ways. In that case, I would say, you know, go find a thing that you're really passionate about and make art about that thing and sell that art. And that's when you'll start to see your sales pick up. So really, you're sort of saying about having a style really before mm -hmm. you sell. Yeah, I think I think you do need to have a style developed. Mm. Uh, if you're just making whatever you feel like making and there's no through line in your work, it's going to be very difficult for you for people to take you seriously. We had some questions for you given to us um, by some of our listeners. Um, so hopefully you don't mind if we asked on their behalf. Um, and Let's we had do it. Art, yeah, Art Rookie Go, which presumably is an Instagram name, Tara. Um, it is, yep. Asks, how does an artist go about finding an audience for their work? Have you got any advice you can share on that? Yeah, uh, lots. Okay, so how does an artist go about finding an audience for their work? Uh, it starts with just showing your work. Right. So uh, we've talked to thousands of artists now uh, in our workshops and courses, and I see sort of a, a process that happens for most artists um, called the hidden path. And it's the stuff that they don't really tell you in art school. And it's the stuff that most professional artists know, but they're so busy being professional artists, they don't really share it with the up and coming younger artists. Uh, so it really starts with just showing your work in any place that you can. Right. And at the beginning, obviously, it's just going to be the, the people who show up are going to be friends and family. So you show your work at a, a local group gallery show or you show your work at a restaurant or a coffee shop or wherever you can. And you invite the people that you know to come and see it. Right. And so in the beginning, it's just like your mom and your dad and your brothers and sisters and uh, and maybe some of their friends. Right. Uh, and, and what you want to do is you want to start asking people, you know, what do you, th what are your reactions to my work? You know, what do you think when you see this work? How do you feel when you see this work? All that kind of stuff. Um, and then when, when you sort of start to gauge their reactions, uh, then you'll, it'll, it'll give you feedback for how you can start talking about your work. Um, and then when you start talking about your work, uh, using those emotional words or using sort of the, the common ways that people react to your work, then the people who are attracted to those kinds of things will start to see your work and see people talking about your work in that way. And that's sort of what the beginning of the process looks like. And it's very me messy and muddy. And I've given a very succinct explanation, but it does take time to figure that out. Now, for some artists, they're like, you know, I paint vineyards. And uh, if you like paint large paintings of vineyards, then that's what 
I do. Right. And then in that case, it's relatively straightforward. Um, some people do pet portraits. Uh, and so their audience is people with pets. But for a lot of artists, you know, maybe they make large scale abstractions. It's much harder to find an audience for that. And what I've just described is more the more the process for those kinds of artists. So that really sort of sounds like psychology where I know if you're like talking to someone, you, you repeat back what they've just said. They really mm-hmm. think you're listening. And mm-hmm. it's almost that is that, is that what you do? Yeah, basically, uh, you're, 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 when you, at the beginning of your career, you're really doing research. You're figuring out how people react to your work and what they say about it. And that's really useful because for, uh, for us, when we make creative work, we have our own biases and what we think the work is about, um, which might be totally different than what other people perceive when they see it. So it's really helpful to get that outside perspective. So in your book, have you got any examples that you could share of people who have actually gone about and done that? Yeah. Um, and I have a, we have a list of artists who uh, we've done case studies and success stories on, but I'll just give you a couple of examples. So uh, Anita Nowinska is an artist based in the UK where you are. Um, and Anita does uh, these beautiful oil uh, oil paintings of flowers, and she does them quite large, um, four by five feet, uh, six by eight feet, that kind of stuff. And uh, she knew that the people who love to buy flowers would probably love uh, her paintings. So what she did is she went to uh, the UK Flower Growers Association. Uh, which com- is comprised of a bunch of you know, farmers that grow flowers. And she said, hey, I know you have an annual show where uh, you, you know, show the, all of these thousands and thousands of flowers to people and 100,000 people come through the show every year. Um, would you be interested in showing some paintings at that uh, event as well? And after some negotiation, they were super excited because they loved her work. Um, and she sort of positioned it as a way to, with Brexit coming, she positioned it as a way of promoting UK-based flower growers, right? And um, so what ended up happening is they ended up featuring her at this show as the solo painter um, with over 100,000 people coming through the show earlier uh, earlier last year. And, uh, and she was able to put up, I think, about 50 pieces of art um, at that show. I always think um, a lot of people expect people will come and find them to buy their work. It actually doesn't work like that, does it? You have to go and find your audience and, and find them rather than they find you. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely true. And in the case of, in Anita's case, she was the first person who had ever pitched that idea to the flower growers, and yeah. which is astonishing to me because it's a huge audience and there's lots of people that paint flowers. Um, we've got another social media person, Andrea England Art, and she says, what's the best way to market your art on social media without coming across as pushy while still encouraging people to respond? Yeah, I think most artists don't need, really need to worry about coming across, across as pushy. I have met very few artists who were too aggressive when it came to selling their work. Uh, most artists have the opposite problem where they're, they feel like they're being pushy when they're actually not. Okay. And we've got Nia Kate Edmonds as well, and she's asked, when selling art through social media, how do you keep the interest going? Yeah, uh, that's a pretty broad question, but I'll try to address it uh, in a useful way. So 
keeping interest going, I, I presume that means like keeping sales going, keeping people not only engaged with the content, but keeping sales coming in. Um, obviously, you have to keep producing, um, but really it comes down to being uh, so batching activity on the front end and then posting it uh, in a spaced out way. Um, so what I'll see a lot of artists do is uh, when they are creating their work, uh, you take the time to take pictures, to do uh, time-lapse video, um, any all that kind of stuff. And you do that while you're in the creation process. And then when you start marketing your work, uh, you should have all of those pictures and videos and everything sort of ready to go. Um, and then you space it out. So you put, you know, for example, one post a day, um, even though you might have been working on a series for six months, uh, you save all that stuff until you're ready to start selling and then you... Uh, put out one post a day or two posts a day on social media. Um, and then you can intersperse that with uh, glimpses into uh, your studio work, into your work in progress, uh, the other parts of your life, right? Like your pets and your children and whatever you're doing to be involved in your community. Uh, one artist that I love on social media is Ashley Longshore because she's not only showing you a glimpse into her studio, but also she just like when she finds random weird memes on the internet or uh, just strange things uh, online, she will screenshot that and post that on her Instagram account, um, which I think is hilarious and totally on brand for her. Um, so it doesn't just have to be about your work in progress and whatever's available. It can also be about whatever else is going on in your life. I always think with Instagram, um, I wonder whether it's sort of more important to be regular than it is the is it more about quality or quantity? Do you know what I mean? Uh, it's really about quantity. Uh, it is. You know, there's a recency bias in all social media. The the more recent something is posted, the more likely somebody is to see it. Um, they they weight their algorithms that way. So uh, it really is about quantity just as much as it is about quality. So if you've got a painting, so for example, I've taken all the time lapses, all stuff like that. Would you keep repeating some of those posts as well? Or would it be like, okay, I've shown all those, it's done, it's, you know, I can't do any more with that? You should definitely repeat yourself. What would you suggest the best ways are to promote art? And if, are there any platforms that you think perform really well for artists? So it's funny because I was uh, on another podcast earlier today and somebody was asking me, it was all their questions were about Instagram. And Instagram is great and it's super trendy and it's definitely the one that all the artists love right now. And there definitely are collectors there, but I would also encourage people not to sleep on Facebook. Like there are, there are artists on Facebook who have hundreds of thousands of followers and even artists who don't have that many followers. There's a, uh, I have a friend who is a uh, jewelry maker and a painter and she has a private auction group on Facebook uh, that she and a couple of artists put together and every Saturday, they auction their art uh, on Facebook. They tell their audiences about it. And uh, they do quite well uh, by auctioning their work on Facebook that way. So it's not really about the platform, like whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Fine Art America or whatever. Um, it's more about how you use the platform and take advantage of the tools that the platform offers. Because regardless of the platform, you still need to draw attention to what you're doing and you still need to do the marketing work. I know that nearly every painting I've ever sold has been, been through um, Facebook and not Instagram. So mm -hmm. it's interesting you should say that. I, I do find that works for me better 
in a way. <clears throat> Although I do love the, what I love about um, Instagram is obviously on your feed, you see more what you want to see rather than loads of other rubbish. <laughs> Whereas Facebook's a bit the other way, isn't it? But oh, it Instagram, Instagram will get that yeah. way eventually. Yeah, it's, it can't be like this forever, can it? Nope. <laughs> Just um, you talking about doing an auction on Facebook. How, how would you go about doing an auction? Because they don't have an actual feature built in for that, do they? No, there's not an auction feature like eBay or whatever, but you can tell people to send you private bids. Uh, you can even, I've seen artists do uh, comment bids where people will just comment what they're willing to pay. Uh, and, you know, they'll say, we're closing bids by 12 o'clock or whatever. And, uh, you know, whoever bids the highest amount wins it and then they have 24 hours to pay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So how important is it, do you think, to build an email list? Because we all hear about these sort of email lists. And it's the most important marketing activity that you take, that you do. You think it works then? Yeah. Uh, because it's not just about the email. It's the fact that you are developing a one-to-one uh, opt-in relationship with people where they're, they're really signing up to say, hey, I want to hear from this artist. Uh, and, and then you have a way of contacting them and reaching out to them directly. And email is much more intimate than social media. So you're really reaching directly to that person rather than just broadcasting on a social platform. So what sort of things would you suggest to send out on the email list? Um, I mean, it's not that much different than what you do on social media. You want to give people an idea of your work in progress. You want to let people know about shows you have coming up, all that kind of stuff. It's just that it's more intimate. Um, and also my experience has been that, uh, you will be far more likely to sell something when you email it to people rather than posting it on social media. There's a fine line though, isn't there between sending out emails, um, that don't annoy people and then sending them to a point where they just unsubscribe because you're bothering them every week. So what would you say would be an ideal kind of amount of emails to send per, per month, say? So I know artists who email every day and uh, are doing quite well. So it just depends on what you, what sort of expectations you set up and uh, what you're trying to do with your email and whether or not you do it in a compelling, interesting way. Uh, so I think once a quarter is probably not enough. I think once a month is probably the minimum uh, because people, people receive so much information. It's, you have to remind people that you continue to exist. Um, now that's a little different with your top end collectors, right? If you've got people who are paying thousands of dollars for your work, uh, you know, and they're your best buyers, you're probably not going to put them on your weekly emails or whatever. Um, you're going to email them first specifically directly, uh, when you have new work available. Um, but otherwise they probably don't need to know you know, if they're going to follow, follow, I, I would offer the option of having two different uh, ways of being on your mailing list. Um, and then, yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, can you tell a good story with your email and can you do it in a way that makes people excited to open your emails versus, uh, you know, just another email, email from just another artist. Would you sell directly from those as well mm -hmm. with buy it nows or would mm -hmm. you... You would. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And are there specific methods you would actually use to sell? Is there any platform that really works well for that or, or is it just simple PayPal? Uh, PayPal's fine. I mean, the, ideally every artist would have their own 
website with an e-commerce platform where somebody can pay with a credit card or with PayPal. Uh, that would that's the ideal, um, and that's relatively easy to do now. Whether you're using Shopify or Squarespace or WordPress or something else, uh, it's really trivial to set up your own e-commerce shop. Um, and there's really not a good reason for most artists to not have that at this point. So is it worth promoting posts on social media or doing any other sort of paid advertising? Yes. Um, it depends on your margin. It depends on how much money you have to invest up front. Uh, for most artists, you know, if you're if you're going to invest in paid advertising, uh, whether it's on Facebook or something else, uh, you need to have a few hundred dollars that you can burn uh to learn how to run the platform because you're going to, you're going to waste some money at the beginning until you know what you're doing. Um, but yeah, I do think that uh, it's worth investing in paid advertising if you want to put in the time to learn how to do it. But I don't think you should do that until you have a business that where, where you know how to, you know, your story, you know, the value of your work, you know, who you're trying to target. Basically you, you've demonstrated that you know how to sell your work and then paid advertising is the thing that adds fuel to the fire once you know how to sell the work. Okay. And we had another message from Chaco Kid who wants to know about pricing. And uh, she asks, what do you think is a good way to decide what to charge for your work? Perhaps you could share the story of um, how Matt LeBlanc decided to price his art? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Matt LeBlanc is uh, hes a, a client and a, good, and a friend of mine who's been around for a long time now. Um, I, I used to say he just started, but it's been like 12 years. Uh, so uh, Matt, uh, when he first started painting, uh, he, he had a day job and he was trying to figure out you know, how he was going to sell his work. So he, he lives in Moncton, Canada, which is a relatively small city, um, you know, not that large, maybe 100,000 people or so. And um, he was trying to figure out how, where he should price his work. So he looked around, he, he looked at all the other artists who were doing abstract art in the area, not only his city, but in his uh, province. And he noticed that there was a lot of very cheap art. And there was a lot of expensive art, but there was very little art that was in the middle. So when he started showing his work, he intentionally priced his work in the middle tier, um, which worked out really well for those people who are maybe buying a house and are looking to decorate their new house. Um, he ended up going to a lot of uh, home decor trade shows and selling his work there. And that's what uh, got him to the point where he could quit his day job and uh, be making a living from his work. So it's it was interesting to see him take that sort of intentional pricing strategy. So if someone else come along though and they weren't sure what to do with their pricing, mm -hmm. do you have any ideas to suggest? And is there a way to price by size of painting mm -hmm. or type or anything like that? Yeah, so the normal pricing uh, for most art is by size, right? Uh, you, you, so you take your length plus width and then you multiply it by some dollar amount. Um, and what I usually recommend artists do is if you have no idea how to price your work at all, go find 20 or 30 other artists whose work is similar to yours. It doesn't have to be the same, but similar. Um, and see how does your work stack up? Is it better than theirs? Is it worse than theirs? Uh, you know, and then is the artist famous or not? Uh, because the more demand for an artist's work there is, the more the prices are going to go up. So then you start to see where your work fits uh, in the quality and then in the demand uh, spectrum across all those artists. And then you sort of pick a, a range for where you think you can start out at. And it's okay to start low. 
um, to, to, and then you start out there and then you reverse engineer the formula. You say, okay, I think this is about how much my work should cost. Um, so then I take that price, call it $500 and, uh, and you say, well, what's the length and width of the work and, uh, and how does that formula reach out to $500? And then you apply that formula consistently across all of your work so that your work has a uniform pricing, um, that scales well with size. And then you can, uh, and then you start out selling that way. So how would you go about putting up? Would it just, as soon as you get the demand there, you, you up it or? Yeah. A good indicator is usually resentment. Uh, when, when you start selling your work and if you start to feel like you're not making enough and you're getting frustrated that, um, you're selling your work for too little, or you feel like people are getting too good of a deal on your work, that's usually a good indicator for you to sell your, to sell your, or to raise your prices. Um, also, if you're so busy that you have a backlog and a wait list for your work, uh, then it's also time to raise your prices. I've always been told that it's not a good idea to put your artwork down. It's got to go up and never mm-hmm. down. And I know that there are some artists I know who do do like a sale in January and all this. And I'm not sure that's a, a good idea. What, what are your thoughts on that? I generally am not a big fan of sales uh, for, no. for luxury products. Uh, you know, you never, you never see like a like a like a luxury car or a luxury purse go on sale um and it's usually the same with art you, what i'll usually say is if you if you do want to do some kind of sale make it a value add where if you buy an original you get a you get a free print or a free aceo or something like that um rather than discounting your work sorry aceo uh maybe that's only a u.s term it's a, like a three by five card that has your work on it it's sort of like a business card for artists um, I've got a question from Inklets, and she says, how do you figure out what kind of market your particular style is best for? For example, licensing, originals in galleries or online? Yeah, this is where it really pays to be educated in what other artists are doing. Yeah. So okay. go find, again, go find 20 or 30 other artists and see what they're doing. Are they showing in galleries? Are they showing online? Do they have licensing deals? And a lot of that information you can just get from their website. And this is a bit, this is a lot of work, right? Whenever I work with somebody directly, um, this is one of the first things that we do is we, I say, go, go research 20 or 30 other artists and that it might take them 10 to 20 hours to do this work. But it's really, really important because it's going to tell you a lot about your market. So if you were talking to a novice artist who's just starting to sell, what would be your top tips on um, things that they should concentrate on most? Uh, So stop messing with your website. Stop worrying about uh, the latest social media algorithm and look for as many opportunities to show your work as possible, both online and in person, and have as many conversations as you can with people who, even if even if you're not sure they're going to buy, just have a conversation with them about your work uh, and and try to show as much as you can. Um, a few, so last year we did an interview with uh, Jesse Reno, who's an artist that's based here in Portland, Oregon. And when he was starting his career, he was a mail carrier. He delivered mail every day. And uh, he set a goal for himself to talk to 10 people each week about showing his work somewhere, whether it was in a gallery or a cafe or somewhere else. And he wouldn't let himself paint until he had spoken to 10 people about showing his work somewhere. And uh, now he is a phenomenally successful 
uh, artist. His canvases sell for five to 10 grand. Uh, he's got a big studio here in Portland and he's constantly flying all over the world to give workshops. So uh, it worked for him and it's a, it's kind of sort of an intense way to do it, but I think that's a good way for a beginning artist to do it. Just a quick question, which platforms, um, I don't mean social media, but like say Etsy or some of the art selling websites, do you recommend? Are there any that you think really work for people? Uh, the best platform is your own website. Okay. Uh, because whether it's Etsy or eBay or whatever, uh, they're not going to sell the work for you. The only way you're going to get consistent sales is to market yourself. And if you're consistently driving people to somebody else's website, uh, you're just making them more money. So you might as right. well spend the same amount of time and effort to send them to your website so that they buy from you. So would you set up those platforms as well or would you just not bother with those at all? I think they're really good uh, if you if you just don't have the time or the money to uh, invest in, in getting your own website, then sure, you know, set up a third-party platform and uh, have some work on there just to get started. Um, and then having a few pieces on Fine Art America and Etsy and eBay and all those other places, it can't hurt you, but I don't think it's a, a big priority. So how much time do you think an artist needs to set aside to market their work in order to earn a full-time living? Uh, 50% of their time. 50% of the time you spend on your business should be marketing yourself. I know a lot of artists are really reluctant to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess there's no way around it if you want to be successful. <laughs> not, not in the beginning. It's not the fun part, is it? The fun part's creating and, and the other part's sort of boring, isn't it? <laughs> well, you can, you can learn to make it fun. I mean, yeah. if you are one of the one of the problems with social media is it's not you're not engaging with a person, right? Um, and so it can start to feel like it's just boring administrative work because you're just pushing buttons on a computer or a or a phone. But if you start actually interacting with your audience and talking to them and asking them questions, uh, then it starts to become more like a conversation. Um, so you need to find ways to make it fun for yourself. If if it feels like pulling teeth, then you're not marketing yourself in a way in in the way that's best for you, probably. You mentioned asking your audience questions. Um, how would you go about doing that online? What, what would you ask people? What sort of thing? You literally type out when you post something on social media. You could literally type out, you know, hey, uh, how many of you are going to be at such and such show next week? Or, hey, I just uh, this is one that gets a lot of responses. Uh, post a work in progress or or a finished work and say, I'm not sure what to title this. Do you have any suggestions for titles? And people love to title other artists' work. So they feel like part part of it mm -hmm. almost, I guess. Yeah. 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 So can you tell us a little bit about the courses that you have to help artists and also your book, How to Sell Your Art Online, Live a Successful Creative Life on Your Own Terms? Sure. Yeah. So How to Sell Your Art Online, uh, I wrote, it came out in 2016 with HarperCollins and you can get that book just about anywhere. Um, in the book, we it's a good overview of... Uh, what tools are available online, uh, what uh, you can do to sell your work online, and sort of the process that we go through of uh, how to identify your target market and, and what makes you unique as an artist. Our courses and uh, the Abundant Artists Association is all of that taken to an even deeper level. Um, we're actually doing enrollment for How to Sell Your Art Online 101, which is our flagship course um, right now. It goes through this Saturday. And the course is really designed, it's, it's about 30 to 40 hours of work on figuring out what makes you unique from other artists, what 
uh, who is the person that you're trying to reach and what is how to tell your story as an artist, the story of how you became an artist and the story of why you make the work that you make. Um, even if you don't think there's a story there, I promise we can help you develop that. And uh, the, then uh, from there, our other courses are designed to help you figure out how to sell your work on uh, using email or social media or whatever else. Uh, but really, the, the one-on-one course is our foundational course on selling your art. So you mentioned that you find in your story. So, so what do you mean by your story? Sure. Uh, so human brains are wired for story, and we want to put a narrative onto everything. Right. Uh, that's why you see uh, work like uh, there's a specific artist whose name <laughs> escapes me. But uh, a lot of times you'll see this with abstract work. People will say, well, my kid could do that. Right. right. And uh, but then what they don't understand is the technique that's actually involved and how difficult it is. Okay. Uh, so giving people an understanding of who you are as an artist and how you came to that point in your career and why you're making the work in that way and what you're responding to. Um, all of that wrapped into a narrative is the thing that sells your work. So does it have to be like a short or elevator pitch, that sort of thing? It doesn't have to be that short. It's helpful if somebody says, what do you do? And you say, I'm an artist. And they say, oh, what kind of artist? And then you can give them your 30-second elevator pitch. But it doesn't have to be that short. It can be you know, long and involved as long as you tell it in an interesting and compelling way. So what are your plans for the future? What are my plans for the future? That's a great question. Uh, So the Abundant Artist Association, we are at uh, just over 500 professional artists as members. And um, the association really exists to uh, change the conversation in the fine art world and to raise the game for how independent professional artists uh, market themselves and sell themselves. Uh, We want uh, professional artists everywhere to market themselves in the best way possible, in the most effective way possible, and to show other artists that it's possible to make a living from your work, um, even without necessarily being represented by a gallery. So that's uh, what we're working towards, is helping more and more artists do that. Just quickly, what you were going, you were saying then about a gallery. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, years ago, it, people have always been sort of saying, "Oh, you know, my goal is to get into a gallery." What are your thoughts on that these days? I don't think people need to do that anymore. You, am I right there? Uh, I think it's tough because the very best galleries are still going to uh, sell your work like crazy because they have a stable of uh, wealthy collectors who love to buy art. And if you get into one of those galleries, then you're relatively set, at least for the short term. Uh, you know, you might sell work for tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars, and that's great. Uh, but then there are lots of second tier and third tier galleries that may or may not be great. Um, I don't think it's necessary to be in a gallery, but getting into the right gallery can make a huge difference for your career. To your value, you mean, mm-hmm. as in... You know, people take you more seriously if you're in a gallery, do you think? I think some collectors do, uh, especially older collectors. uh, But definitely younger collectors are a lot more open to the idea that an artist's work can be great, even if they're not necessarily in a gallery. Um, Galleries are actually having a bit of an existential crisis right now because uh, the young rich people, like the young tech people in San Francisco, um, they don't go to galleries. They have no interest in, uh, in that scene. But they still buy art. So uh, they have to find other ways to sell to those people. So you're talking about these collectors. How would someone go about finding these collectors apart from buy galleries? Uh, 
Uh, it's just networking. So if you know that, uh, for example, I mentioned Anita Nowinska earlier, uh, she makes large scale paintings of flowers. So she went to where there's going to be a large audience of people who really love flowers and began networking that way. So where, where can people find out more about you? Uh, our website is theabundantartist.com uh, and you can find uh, all the information about our books and our classes and everything else there. Uh, and if you want to uh, reach out to me personally, uh, I'm on Facebook uh, under Corey Huff. Uh, I'm also on, we're also on Instagram. Uh, feel free to reach out. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks ever so much. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. Back soon.